everyone. Grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Tuesday, March 17th, and it has happened. San Francisco has announced a shelter-in-place order, along with five other Bay Area counties, set to last until at least April 7th, which, of course, is Holy Week. So if you didn't give something up for Lent, God took care of you, and I really hope you feel seen right now. Now, this is the strictest measure of its kind in the U.S., directing everyone to stay inside their homes and away from others as much as possible for the next three weeks, and a really significant move to flatten the curve and to curb the spread of the novel coronavirus. This news came out when I was in a, an all-staff Zoom call. We were all going around and sharing on where we were at emotionally and spiritually and how we were taking all the news as it was coming out over the weekend and over the last week and as we were preparing, especially uh, feeling the weight of ministering to you, our church, in the midst of all of these changes. And as we were going around, everyone had a a different way of, of feeling or responding to what was going on in real time. I mean, some people were anxious, some were worried, Some were mourning the wonderful plans they had to cancel because of this. Others were somewhat hopeful in what this might bring. And then when we're all on the Zoom call doing this, the news broke. And I read to everyone the shelter-in-place order. And the reality set in almost immediately as we like kind of looked around the little boxes, little Zoom boxes of everyone. The reality set in that we probably wouldn't see each other physically for a while that we would not be able to greet each other with a holy side hug. And it like all began to set in. We were all being forced into a monastic order. I don't call it the order of London breed or the shelter in place order of San Francisco, whatever you want to call it. This is like the new monasticism. We, we're, we're like forced into a, a, a monastic way of life. Now, if you're, you're new to monasticism or you don't know what that is, A monastic order are groups of men and women who dedicate themselves to God and live in isolation. They do this to withdraw from the world as to become less selfish, more tender, and more in harmony with God. And as I've been thinking about this, I mean, really, this shelter-in-place order is an act of love. It's like, let's love our neighbor as to not spread this virus. Let's stop. Let's try to band together and stop the spread of this virus. Let's withdraw from the world. Let's withdraw from our offices. Let's withdraw from our favorite cafes and restaurants. And it's almost an act, a forced act to become less selfish. And I think if we embrace this, we can actually become even more tender and I hope more in harmony with God. I think that would be an amazing outcome of this shelter-in-place order that we saw this as an invitation to live a three-week monastic life out of our homes with the hope of becoming less selfish, more tender, more in harmony with God, that we would allow ourselves to physically withdraw from the world so as to seek deeper empathy with the world. What could that look like? What could that be? What would that be like? How, how could we use this moment to mellow? to walk more slowly, to love more deeply, to live in deeper union with God. And I think this would be 
a great story, an amazing story, that on the other side of this, three or four weeks later, all over San Francisco and in the Bay Area are released into tech and finance and cafes and businesses a bunch of monastics, people who have reconciled with their past and have done some inner work of healing and sitting in the presence of God. That's the story I want to see happen. Now, where does this begin? Well, I believe it begins in prayer. I think the first thing, the first part of this new order, this shelter-in-place order, for, for us Christians, for followers of Jesus, has to be we spend time in prayer. That um, this could be fixed hour prayer, that you set your alarm to wake you up to pray at, or alert you to pray at 9 a.m., 12 a.m., 7 p.m. It could be just a, a good, beautiful chunk of time in the morning that you would typically ride, you know, Muni into your work or Uber Lyft, whatever you do, that you would use that time before you get log on to work or whatever to sit and pray and be still before God. I want to read this poem by Mary Oliver. What um, called she? She's entitled it "Praying." It goes like this: It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention, then patch a few words together, and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. That's a beautiful poem. I I think that poem is kind of captures the heart of prayer, one of one of the hearts of prayer, in that it doesn't have to be this elaborate, huge, um, ecstasy-filled thing. It could just be a simple doorway into thanks into silence in which God speaks, that still small voice to us. One of the ways that I practice prayers, I set my alarm or my timer to 10 minutes, 5 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, and just be silent. And I always start my prayer in just silence. And I try to offer all the thoughts that I have to God. If a thought keeps coming in my mind more than once, maybe I should pay attention to that thought and offer that thought to God or ask God, what do you want to show me about this thing I keep thinking about? And sometimes that thought just goes away. And then I start thinking like in the center of my being, like the little, like the core of who I am, the scriptures say that Christ dwells. He li- He literally lives inside of me. Christ takes up, I become a temple of this of the Spirit of Christ, the temple of the living God. And Christ lives in me. And I just think about that where Christ dwells in me. And I try as much as I can with, with all of my mental capacity and my emotional capacity to center myself in union with God who lives in me. I do that for, you know, five minutes. This morning actually I did it for five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Then I move on to to, to prayer. And I usually use a psalm to pray. Um, now, praying the psalms is beautiful. In the psalms, there's a powerful joining of God's words to us and our words to God. That's what I love about the psalms. When we read, when we read this, the psalms as God's words to us, we take the gift of that word and then we fill it with our own life experiences and then we get to return it to God. That's, that's the beauty of the psalms. So, 
uh, I, I want to close just this 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 brief little update to pray a psalm together. So I'm going to pray a psalm that we all know really well, Psalm 23, and I want you to practice with me uh, of joining God's words to us with our words to God. And as I read this psalm, allow the words to us to be filled with our own experiences, and then we'll give them back to God. So let's pray this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.